Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast, sponsored by the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University, where we discuss the work of different designers and design thinking practices. My name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health in Maternal and Child Health program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. I'm here today with co-host Michaeline. Michaeline, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Michaeline Engelmeyer. I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition program here at Tulane. I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center, and I have a bachelor's degree in dietetics from the University of Illinois, and I'm originally from Chicago. Today, we're going to be discussing the interview of Giselle Rowlick Murphy. Giselle is the co-founder and partner at Duco Design Intelligence based in Brazil. In March of this year, Giselle founded WIM Angels, which stands for Women's Investment Movement, a network of angel investors that invest in high impact startups founded by women in tech. Giselle is passionate about collaborative work that helps groups to co-create innovative solutions, particularly in the context of public policies and cultural change. Giselle has a PhD in public policy for design and innovation from the University of Wales and a master's in strategies for design and innovation from Brunel University. This interview was originally recorded in the fall of 2019. Michaeline and I are here today to hear what Giselle has to say about her approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some discussion for our listeners. So let's take a listen. I grew up here in Brazil, um, a town called Curitiba. God. Yeah, so, so I grew up in this, uh, this town and um, it was uh, it was great great place to it's a it's a very nice town to uh, city city to grow up mm-hmm. it's a very nice city to work um, uh, to live nowadays and um, it was uh, it was like at the time Curitiba was not so uh, so large now it's uh, four million people wow. so it's uh, it's a proper big city now. But uh, when I was little, it was maybe a million or a million and a half. What sounds big, but uh, it was okay. It was uh, like we played on the streets. We uh, we grew up uh, uh, riding the bike and very, in a very free way. It was it was quite calm, although it's like Brazil and it's a developing country. But I never had problems with um, uh, with danger on the streets or with um, uh, or poverty, uh, there is poverty, but I'm lucky that I'm not on the on the poverty ring. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so it, it was it was great uh, great childhood <laughs> now I have kids and my kids can't play on the streets because the streets are not so much because they're not uh, they're not safe in the sense of um, of uh, danger with robbery or uh, or kidnapping or this type of thing but um, mainly on the danger of uh, too many cars on the streets you don't have a street where you can play football anymore or uh, or just play freely or just stay on the curb and uh, uh, just uh, just like we it used to be so certainly now that's uh, larger certainly uh, childhood's different and um, and also because of uh, of safety in Brazil of course it's not as safe as it was before so yeah that's an issue I think worldwide <laughs> yeah. yes I'd say so there's always the crazy guy and yeah um, would you ever leave Curitiba or do you want to stay there your whole life? Ah, no, 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 <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't. And, but that's because, because of my, uh, that's the way how I am. I lived abroad for 10 years already. And, uh, uh, when I was 26, I, uh, I went to do a master's in the UK and I stayed there for 10 years. I did my master's, I started working, then I did a doctorate, and, uh, um, and then when I, uh, then I got married, my husband is Irish, and, um, and then we decided to come back to, to come to Brazil to have kids, mm -hmm. and uh, so I chose to be back in Brazil to have my kids. Now my kids are eight and four years old, and um, so now we are thinking again to move uh, to move to someone else. But that's my nature is because I, I don't like staying in the same place for too long. <laughs> and um, I love traveling and I think uh, it's great to move abroad to learn new things. I, I want that for my kids as well. In Brazil, uh, people, uh, because we don't leave uh, our home, we usually don't leave our hometown to study. Uh, to study, to go for, to the university. We usually go to the university in the same hometown. For mm -hmm. people who live in the capital, of course. People who live in the interior have to move to the capital. But like I live in the capitals, in one of the capitals, so I, I went to the university here in my home hometown. So people tend to be at the same place. Uh, the families tend to keep, uh, to, to be together. It's different, for example, from the UK, when, what I saw in the UK and Ireland. Because as soon as you have to go to the university, you move to another place. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's different in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Was it hard for you to initially make the decision to move abroad? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I was, again, a scholarship from, um, from the British Council. So it was like very easy. I have a scholarship. I'm going and uh, mm -hmm. my, my, my parents were very supportive. My boyfriend was not so much, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but uh, it was fine. I I hadn't I had made up my mind. It was fine. And, uh, I love design. I'm passionate about design. I think design uh, help uh, design solves problems. And uh, when I when I'm able to solve a problem through design, that's that's. That's everything. That's really great. And, uh, and I work a lot of design thinking and co-creation now. So co-creation is about putting people together to think about new solutions. And, um, 
when they managed to get people together to uh, get them to work together and come up with new solutions. That's, that's really brilliant. That's really good. So then on the flip side, um, what are you worried about in life? Words. Um, honestly, for me, uh, for me, it's uh, like uh, when I'm uh, worried or happy, it's usually related to kids, really. Mm-hmm. Because um, uh, for a, usually for a mother, the, you're worried that uh, it would be hard for ki- for your kids to do something or that you're going to like for example I, I never I was not very worried about dying before but now that I have kids but if I die my kids will be will be left left alone so that's that's something that worries me and uh, so I have to take care of myself and um, uh, yeah my worries are usually related to kids because other concerns I can I can work on them I can uh, like if it's uh, work related, it's just I don't think it's a, it's something that I worry about. It's something that I I have to tackle. I have to go in and solve. So these are it's a different type of uh, concern. For ex- for instance, um, I was working with uh, Johnsons Johnson Johnsons, mm-hmm. and um, we we had to develop uh, new policies or new solutions, new alternatives for women with endometriosis. Any idea what endometriosis is? I've heard of it. What, uh, okay, but endometriosis is something that uh, is makes life for women really hard, mm-hmm. and uh, some women during like four days of the month they just can't do anything because the pain is really, really, really strong, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then we had to come up with ideas uh, to to help them in their lives, and um, we fought. Then we put people together, and we um, we put uh, we put doctors, patients, uh, nurses, people from government all together to work on these solutions. And one um, we thought that they were going to to think about or to request new types of treatments or new um, new ways of um, like medicines that uh, new ways of uh, access to expensive medicine we thought this was going to be the the, the way where that the workshop would go um, but instead they was looking for they were looking for social inclusiveness and uh, they they were looking for, for example, um, for the government to recognize that during two or three days uh, during the, the month, every month, uh, they had a pain that they couldn't go to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, like before, they were they were categorized as lazy. Ah, you're you have some pain and you don't want to work. But no, it's really excruciating, so they can't. And uh, so uh, it was the beginning for a law, for um, a movement to recognize that these women have, uh, have, uh, some, have, have a condition that they can't be working in the same way as the others during some period of the month. The rest of the time is fine. And uh, so this doesn't take them out of the ma- uh, work market. They are included in, uh, sorry, they are included on the wor- in the work, work market in a better way. Yeah, because they are uh, they are 
a company that hires them is able to uh, to have some uh, support from government to pay for the days when they can't work. This type of thing. Gotcha. Um, talking about in similar fields, uh, dermat when I I was working with dermatitis. Um, the Association of uh, Atopic Dermatitis. Um, do you know atopic dermatitis? It's a disease on the skin. I haven't. Um, in, in, the UK, in the US, you call, um, I forgot now. It's a kind of an allergy, very strong allergy on skin. I, the, the words on the tip of my tongue, is it, is it painless or is it painful? It's, uh, it's very itchy. And uh, we were working to develop new uh, new alternatives for treatment for people who with uh, who suffered from eczema, because they um, usually the treatment is to apply some uh, some powder or some cream, and that doesn't help really. Mm-hmm. So we had to um, we we came up with some solutions for um, it was a range of solutions from, for example, creating a, a, a label that was uh, a top, a eczema friendly for, for, because for example, clothes, and some clothes are for kids who, who suffer from this, it's very hard to, to wear some types of clothes. So this type of label helped to identify the, the best materials. And um, what else? From this to, uh, to uh, access uh, to treatments, alternative treatments that would make them less stressed, that then wouldn't be, wouldn't allow the eczema to flare up. This type of thing. Okay. Is this what you're talking about? Is this yeah. type of example that you were looking for? Yes, it's, it's exactly. I, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't looking for anything in particular, uh, but this, this is very enlightening. Um, for example, here in, here in government, we are working with digitalizing uh, digitalizing some services uh-huh. for to provide access to everybody to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. So we had we had a a, um, a, dis- a device for women who were in danger to they could press that uh, that device that uh, alarm mm-hmm. to um, to search for help if they were in danger. And that now is not a device because it was very difficult for them to access the device. It was a large device to access this device when they were injured. Uh, instead now we are in, um, this is, in, uh, this is um, an, an app in their phones. So it's much easier for them to access. And uh, so this type of, uh, this type of uh, work, this type of um, development. I was influenced by my granddad. My granddad was a teacher in, for industrial design, a lecturer. And uh, I admire him a lot, so I I studied I started studying design, uh, studying industrial design, and then I um, and then through time I found design thinking and I found design policies. That's my other passion. So it was um, it was evolving. Uh, in the nineties, design was almost purely product and graphics. Yeah, yeah we did we didn't have this type of variation, we didn't use design to, to solve bigger problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an evolution for, for design, really. It is different, certainly, because um, 
we our references is our references are different. Uh, sorry, our references are different. Um, visual reference and uh, and also experience the way how we experience the world. That's why we don't have Italian design here, and mm -hmm. Italian design is in Italy because they grew up well, where. Uh, they, in the Renaissance, uh, and they have those beautiful, beautiful buildings in the middle of their cities, and uh, they live good design. They uh, they see good design since they are kids. We don't have this refinement in our uh, in our work, mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that's I would say impossible, but not impossible, but it's very hard to acquire. Uh, so Brazilian designers don't have this uh, refinement in product design and in graphics as well either. And, uh, but on the other hand, we are a very creative country because we don't have so many means or we don't have so many resources um, or maybe because we have a lot of resources and, uh, but we don't have um, resources that are finalized like uh, we don't have the best technology, and but we we have a lot of materials, and mm -hmm. we are rich in other things. And I think this type of richness uh, makes the the builds the reper repertoire. If I say repertoire, yeah. do you understand? Yeah. Builds the repertoire for uh, for the designer, and it's the repertoire is the the luggage that designer has that uh, makes um, makes the designer yeah there's mm -hmm. nothing uh, it's really important it's what he sees what he thinks what he lives that makes the designer mm -hmm. yeah. that makes sense um yeah. and it, it's the same as um like working social programs for uh, social programs in uh, in brazil are different from social programs in in the uk mm -hmm. and they're very different and I bet different from from the US as well. The priorities are different. So in the end, yeah, you are uh, designers in different countries, in my opinion, are different. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the, as well as like a designer uh, that lives in the city center in, here in Brazil is different from a designer from the interior. Uh, mm -hmm. We can see this difference. Priorities, uh, security, safety, certainly. Um, uh, for me, uh, hunger, no, not hanging, hunger, hunger. Uh, wait, uh, poverty, poverty overall, poverty and security, um, social, um, sorry, political engagement, it's different as well here, it's people are more, people are quite well politically engaged, mm -hmm. and um, these, these are priorities for us. Everybody has an opinion about football and about politici politics. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that the opinion is good or is well developed, <laughs> but uh, everybody has an opinion. Ah, certainly. I think it's very difficult to separate the two. Uh, of course, I have to be careful, depending on my position, I have to be very careful. For example, now I'm working for government. Mm -hmm. and. Um, I'm. Uh, I have an opinion. I, go, I have a political position. But if I work for government, you have to be neutral in some in some things. For example, I, ha I can't refuse to work in a project 
even if I don't think that that's a priority. So as a, as a citizen, I can, uh, I can criticize that. But as uh, a civil servant, I, I have to engage and I have to do my best to, to make that happen and to make that work. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. So would you prefer to work for the government? I mean, feel free to answer this however you would like, but do you prefer working for the government or did you prefer jobs that were outside, no, no influence from the government? No, oh, I, I work for both. I, um, I work for both. I work for, uh, for myself. I am, I am a consultant, independent consultant. And as a consultant, I work for private companies. Mm -hmm. And I work for government part-time. And uh, I love work, working for government because only in government I can have uh, the impact, my work can have the impact that I, I love having. And because um, working for a private company, uh, unless it's Bill Gates, I don't think you can, you can work, you can have the same impact with, uh, with, another, with another private company. Mm -hmm. It's uh, because because it doesn't happen, and uh, with governments, uh, anything you do, immediately you reach thousands of people. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, I I love working for government. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's really good for me. I think I think it's hard because it's easier working for private companies, but uh, I I like the. I like the mission of working for government, mm -hmm. the challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's an influence life. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I'm, a, I'm blonde, I'm white, and um, what makes me on, on the, let's say, let me, it makes me on the privileged uh, a group because I don't I don't suffer the resistance. I am sure that black people would, a black woman would suffer more resistance than I I do. But I'm also a woman, and uh, women uh, women has a lot of uh, obstacles to to pass before reaching um, before reaching some. Uh, just a second, there is a, a message here. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I think. Did you get a message as well from Zoom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I think we're fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> and um, so uh, I'm, um, I'm a feminist. So I have, uh, I do, I bring that to my work. If mm -hmm. I can, uh, if I can bring other women to, to work with me or if I can uh, bring, um, uh, I pay attention when I have a group and I have to select a group, I select, uh, I like selecting women. I, ha I like selecting a group, minority groups, mm -hmm. so representatives from minority groups. Uh, if I have to choose between a briefing that will impact a minority or would impact um, a, just society, top society, of course I would choose a minority, even if it's harder. Mm -hmm. So uh, certainly it impacts, yeah. Uh, Definitely. I, I think everything that I live, everything that I am, uh, like after I became a mother, I pay attention to issues that I had no idea before. <laughs> mm -hmm. So everything that I, after I, I lived abroad, uh, that opened my mind to, to issues again that I, 
I had no idea before as well. So everything that I live um, makes an impact on my on the way how I behave and the way how I act as a professional, mm-hmm. and uh, and the way how how I am a designer because as a designer you can you can use these references. I think uh, I may be wrong for ignorance because of ignorance about other other areas, but other fields. But for example, I, I imagine that if I was an engineer, for instance, I wouldn't be able to bring my uh, my experiences as much as I do in design. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I I love teaching as well. So I love uh, I love bringing my experience to other uh, to to kids or to young young people and uh, transfer and share this experience and learn new things. So uh, I think uh, for a designer, this is a very, very great, pl- very great position to be uh, in terms of uh, bringing your your experiences and your um, your life into your work. It's it's really good. I'm I'm passionate about design, so everything I tell you about design will be good. Because <laughs> I love traveling. I went for work. I went to representing a design organization from from here from from my state and um, it as I said it was uh, like it was uh, traveling seems very glamorous but it's hard work like yeah. I had I travel for two days I stayed there for four days and then I traveled two days back mm-hmm. and uh, like from airport to airport and uh, so it's it's hard work yeah and uh, this time because it was government they didn't pay business class so it was it was hard work <laughs> But I wouldn't say no because I, I love I love the experience and I, I think it brought me even even only for four days I saw part of the world that I, I hadn't been before mm-hmm. and I met people uh, and I learned I learned from them mm-hmm. and uh, so it was it was great it was amazing uh, open to the world and uh, open to uh, ideas and to new uh, new takes about uh, uh, an issue like nothing is black and white and uh, there is always another point of view that you can have and um and and really to pay attention connections and uh, be able to connect something that um, creativity designers work with creativity basically and creativity is uh, is the skill of making two things that apparently are not connected but making a connection between them and creating a third thing that's not one or not another, but it's a third thing connect, connecting those two ideas. And uh, these connections that make things brilliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you, if you have a problem, um, bring something into, into the problem that will create a connection and will show you a new, a new way. And so for a non-designer, uh, for no designers, the the thinking, uh, the way to think is a little bit linear, and for some in some fields, it's, re- it's very, it's really, really linear. And uh, for a designer, it's not linear because you are on a line, and then you look for a reference somewhere else to come back to this line. And uh, this is what makes creativity. This is uh, to happen. And uh, so, anytime that you are on a line think think coming out of the line 
catching something and coming back because then you can have something brilliant. Yeah? And just being open for, to the world, this is really good. It's really good. Thank you all so much for listening along with us. Uh, now we're just going to talk a little bit about our takeaways from the interview. Michaeline, how do you think place and identity impact Giselle's work? So it seems the way that places evolve had um, a really strong impact on Giselle and her work. You know, she mentions how the streets she used to play in as a child have now become dangerous places for her children as her home city has grown and expanded. And she's restless, but in a good way and doesn't like to stay in the same place for too long, which has kind of driven her to come to know other places across the world and subsequently shaped her design perspective to curate the luggage as she describes it of her perspective. Um, and I think it's interesting that she wants to build that kind of life for her children as well. What did you think? Yeah, um, like you said, place does seem to play a large role in Giselle's design work. Um, she likes to travel, see and learn from the world. This then has led to experiences that she carries with her. Like you said, luggage, and like she said in her interview, it's called luggage, um, that she carries that with her wherever she goes and whatever project she's working on. And I think this is a really interesting way to look at travel and how she is shedding the idea that she talked about in which Brazilians tend to stay near their hometowns. We can all be greatly impacted and influenced when we have the privilege and opportunity to travel to places. Um, and in specifically in Giselle's case, these uh, she's influenced like by different design aesthetics of design and design methodology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you feel like you learned from Giselle's interview about design, design thinking, and social innovation? Uh, Giselle consistently showed how design and design thinking are a process, one that is not linear. Her projects she talked about really showed that and showed that it's okay if your initial idea doesn't work out, but it's important that you still get feedback from the clients or user because they are the ones who will be impacted by what you create. Feedback is what is critical to making sure the product will be used and will have an impact. And even if the feedback is negative, it still helps you make a much better and more impactful product in the end. Uh, what did you learn? Um, well, I, I love the way that Giselle leverages design to improve the lives and experiences of traditionally marginalized groups, um, especially the way that she advocates for women. And the way she sourced information from the group she was designing for, um, in this case, she talked about um, women who had experienced violence uh, to create a solution that would help those women feel safe in a way that they would actually use the product that they designed for them. It's just that level of sourcing design solutions from the population or client um, that I think really exemplifies what the intersection of design thinking and social innovation is all about. Yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, both of us are not formal designers. Uh, what advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? Um, well, I really took away from this interview that people in all disciplines should challenge any sense of rigidity they feel and open their perspectives to generate, you know, nonlinear solutions and ideas. Um, and we need to not be confined to the tools of design and thinking and instead let them set us free and show us new ways of doing things. What did you think? Uh, yeah, Giselle stated that you need to be open to ideas and that nothing is black and white. And I think this is excellent advice for anyone, but especially for non-designers. It's a reminder that there are countless perspectives that you should always try to be inclusive of when you are solving a problem or designing a product. And I think this can also help people understand that you shouldn't keep yourself in a box when you are coming up with a design or 
a solution or anything. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. Um, just kind of letting things flow. Um, was there anything that Giselle said that surprised you that maybe you didn't agree with or that inspired you? Yeah, I really enjoyed hearing more about Giselle's pro projects because of how impactful the outcome could be, um, especially with her project that worked to help women get out of violent situations. And like you said earlier, if uh, I think the process in which she went about making a device and then getting feedback from women, the clients about it and working with that information shows the design thinking process and actions. And I found it inspiring how with how they adjusted to make something that would actually be more useful for their clients. Yeah, definitely. Um, personally, I was doing some research on uh, Giselle's work before listening in on this interview. And I discovered that in March of this year, Giselle founded that network of angel investors that empowers women in tech. Um, and I would have loved to hear more about that. But of course, she hadn't yet started that venture at the time this interview was recorded. Um, but that would have been really inspiring to hear about given all the wonderful and inspiring work that she discusses in this interview surrounding women's empowerment. And I just think women supporting women is such a beautiful and inspiring thing. Oh, definitely. But yeah, what do you think, listener? Please feel free to check out our website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wasal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.